Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome again to another session of Global Answers. I'm delighted to be back with you, and I appreciate you taking the time to spend time with us. We've been talking on the book of Revelation, that last book in the Bible, that consummation which unveils Christ and his future works in the churches after, after he had finished his work at Calvary. Remember that Jesus Christ is not just the man that died at Calvary, but Jesus is also the living word in every age. And that's exactly the way he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because in every age, Christ is living out a measure of his word, a portion of scripture, through his body on earth. And so that's what we're seeing in the book of Revelation. And so let me just open now with the scriptures that'll tell you the direction we're going now today, which is going to be a little bit, uh, let's say, controversial. And Revelations chapter 2, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. And so every age, every church, opens with exactly the same statement, unto the angel. That's God's messenger to that age. So God... God gets a hold of a man. We'll go through that in a moment. An angel is a messenger. It couldn't be supernatural or it can be just a man. And God gets a hold of a man, one of the seven stars in the right hand of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, gets a hold of that man, and then he becomes the God's illuminary on earth and to the churches of that age. And then each church age ends with the same admonition, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so the Spirit, of course, we don't hear a broadcast in the air. Uh, God speaks through man. So the Holy Ghost gets a hold of a man, speaks, and then his message becomes God's message to that age among us Gentiles, just the same way that God's prophets were God's messengers to Israel in the Old Testament. So God hasn't tremendously changed the pattern. He still works through man. Let me reemphasize to you that all Christians understand the principle, by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, and that's the body of Christ. So don't lose the concept. At one time, Christ, that Logos of God, was bottled and confined in one body called Je in Jesus of Nazareth. And now that same spirit has been dispersed among the believers to be baptized into that body of Christ, not, not a church, not just us or just you, but those who by one spirit all over the world that have been baptized into that body, they become the true church of God. And then, and then they become his body on earth. So don't lose that concept. So God works through man because that's his body on earth now. At one time, the body was Jesus of Nazareth. Now that same life that was in Jesus of Nazareth has come back in measure to each individual believer that's received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so I have a stack of notes here on my lap that I want to get into with you because I want to touch on this subject matter and I didn't want to ad-lib it too much for fear that I would miss uh, some major points. So, so we've got the context now that God speaks to an angel in each age and it says, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
Each age ends with that. It doesn't end with what he says to the church, like the Holy Spirit speaking to one church, but rather what he said in every age applies to all churches of all ages. Because the seven churches of Asia, found in Revelations chapter 1, 2, and 3, those, those seven churches depict eras of time, dispensations in which God was dealing with his church in a specific manner, and they had a specific problem which God addresses, and those who resist the problem, they're called overcomers. And so normally when we talk about being an overcomer in a, among a, a Christian group, and maybe you who are not Christians might think the same way, God makes promises to overcomers, so we think, well, those are the people who overcome uh, the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes and the pride of life and, and sinful living, that that's the way they overcome. <clears throat> that's not the overcomer. We're going to find it's different than that. Catch what I'm going to say now. God has never, ever emphasized works. Some churches do, but the New Testament does not. God has never emphasized works. He has always emphasized the word. And when people get the word, the works will follow because the word brings a life with it into the person and starts a transformation in that person's, in that person's life. And that's what God is aiming for. He knows that Adam and Eve fell from the word. Now he's trying to get a church back to the word. So let me just start through my notes here so we can follow in sequence here. <clears throat> I want to read an excerpt out of a book called The Exposition of the Seven Church Ages. It's available if you'd like to look on our website. It's available on our website. You can order it from there. And here he says, Now to get to the real meaning of what we are about to go into, I must caution you to keep in mind that religion, spiritual matters if you like, is composed of two parts that intertwine and are as different as black and white. Catch that. In the true church, in religion, are two spirits working, and they're just as opposite as black and white. Two spirits. Religion and the spiritual world are made of those two trees which had their roots in Eden, both the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil stood in the midst of the garden and no doubt their very branches intertwined each other. Thus the Ephesian church age is that same paradox. The church is made up of good and bad. Two vines make the church. They are like the wheat and tares that you can read about in Matthew chapter, in the book of Matthew, growing up side by side but one is true, the other is false. Now God will speak to each one. We find if we study under the church of Ephesus, under the church of Smyrna, under the church and so on, that God speaks to both groups, the true and the false in each age because they're both claiming Christ. So he talks to them both. So, but God will speak to each one and he will talk about each one. He will call them the church. And only the elect will really know which is the true spirit. Only the elect will not be deceived. Matthew 24, 24 says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, 
and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So now we're already seeing the issue that it's not there will be prostitutes among you, there will be drunkards among you. That's not the issue. Paul says in Corinthians, he names all these wicked acts that people can do. And then he goes on to say, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. So it is, this is not a matter of get your life cleaned up and then come to God. It's rather as come to the Lord and then he cleans up your life. And so, but, so the issue is not cleaning up a life. God cleans up your life. He changes your desires. He changes your attitudes. So what is it that God wants us to, to, to be and to have? He wants a people that will stay with the Word of God. And that is the test in every age. And I want to show you how crucial that is. I doubt very much we will finish it in this one program, but we're going to start into it and then we'll continue from there. So now Matthew 24, 24 said, there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. Now, most everybody, when they read this and it says false Christ, they think of false Jesuses, that people are going to claim to be Jesus returned to earth again. It doesn't mean that at all. False Christ, Christ means anointed, the Messiah, the anointed one. So there will be false anointed ones and false prophets. Because the false Christ is the more deceiving, I'm going to go into that secondarily. So first, let's talk about false prophets. Now, of course, you know that we, on this broadcast, we believe that God has sent a prophet, a true prophet. And so we go into that in other, uh, other areas. And you can write about it. If you don't know about it, you can write. We can tell you about it. So now, <clears throat> false prophets, Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 22. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee and of thy brethren, like unto me, and unto him shall you hearken, according to all that thou desirest of the Lord, the God in, in Oreb, and in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. So when the children of Israel were were taken to Mount Oreb and God came in thunders and clouds and lightning and the sound of a trumpet. And it was so tremendously loud that the people of Israel feared. And then they screamed out to Moses, oh, let God speak to you. You speak to us. Don't let us, God speak directly to us lest we die. And so God said, they've said a good thing. So from that point on, God said, okay, I'll speak to the prophet. The prophet will speak to the people. And then now Moses has said, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet, liken unto me. Now, of course, that's prophetic, preaching forward to the time of Christ. And so there would be one that would rise because Moses was a Christ type, if we can say that. So there was another prophet, which was the God prophet, which was Christ himself. So that prophet it was uh, the prophecy toward Christ. And there's a little bit more tight around that, but it's not pertinent to our subject. Now, still in Deuteronomy 18, verse 22 now. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken, but that prophet has spoken it presumptuously, thou shalt not be afraid of him. So when a man claims to be a prophet and makes false prophecies, then it's an utter failure. God's prophets don't miss Many people take certain things that William Branham said and try to make him a false prophet 
because they'll say he said this or that and it didn't happen. But the problem is those who make those statements haven't studied what a prophet said, what this prophet said, to put in context what he said with what he meant. And so they therefore draw a wrong conclusion based on their own theology. Brother Branham told us, whom that's the one we believe was a prophet to this age. Brother Branham said, if I ever say anything and miss one time, one time, don't ever listen to me again. Now for you in Pentecostal circles, how many prophecies in your church fail to come to pass? How many people claim to be prophets and say, the Lord told me this or the Lord told me that, and it fails to come to pass. But this prophet had the courage to say, if it ever misses one time, don't ever listen to me again. And if you've got a question about that based on where people say he made false prophecies, please write us because we can show you how it turns about that it wasn't so false after all. Now, <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 13, this is the part that may surprise you. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and gives thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spoke unto thee, saying, notice now, he's, he's signs and wonders, and it comes to pass. But, he says, let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, let us serve them. So now, it isn't likely that in Christian circles that would happen. That was happening with Israel when they were led off into idolatry. But in Christian circles, it isn't that. It's just that a man comes and prophesying and things coming to pass, and then he leads you to his own doctrine. That's another God, because God is his word, but once the word is perverted, it's not that same God anymore. So therefore, this would be people who claim the prophetic, like we read about in the Thyatira church age. There was a woman amongst them that said, called herself a prophetess that's claiming to speak for God. And her name was Jezebel in type, typing back to the Old Testament Jezebel. And that she claims to speak for God, but she was false. And so that's, that's a church system that claims to speak for God, but they're false. And so now here they're claiming to speak from God and what they say comes to pass, but they lead you off in another direction. Deuteronomy 13, 3 now. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Listen now. For the Lord your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So what's God trying to, trying to do here? He's trying to see, are you going to follow after some man that seems to be an anointed man, or are you going to put the Word of God as your absolute? It must be the Word. To him that overcometh will I grant. We'll get into those probably next session. But the, the overcomer is those who can withstand the false doctrine within the framework of the church. And many true people are caught in this error of following an anointed man who's misusing the word of God, many times for his own purposes and own pocketbook. Now, false Christs. This is what's, this is what's really deceiving. The scripture says, that the elect will not be deceived, but truth and error would be so close, it would deceive the very elect if possible. So false Christ, now get back what we said before. Christ means an anointing, the Messiah, the anointed one. So false Christ is not false Jesuses. False Christ is false anointed ones. But the, the perplexity comes in 
that the, the anointing is genuine. It is Holy Ghost anointing. But the person himself is false in that he uses his anointing, he uses his gift, he uses this supernatural to draw people to himself or for his own, own motives. We go back into the Old Testament and we look at the prophet Balaam. He made prophecies that are still coming to pass today. Very genuine, true prophecies, but he himself was trying to sell his gift to King Balak. And so therefore he was false, though his gift was true. And so we look, and so we look at uh, all around through the scriptures, there's always what we call the twins, the true and the false, running side by side. And there's many scriptural examples uh, well, I won't go into all of them, but if you know your Bible at all, there's always a true fault, prophet, false prophet, true prophet, false prophet, running side by side all the time in the, in the same Christian team, let's call it in the New Testament, was Jesus and Judas. The two run side by side all the time. False Christ, false anointed ones. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's Holy Ghost Spirit. God also said in Amos, I, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. It didn't say converted flesh. It said all flesh. So all the people can get under the rain, can get under the anointing, can rejoice in the presence of God and many times move under the anointing to give themselves over to gifts of the spirit. And it's genuine gifts of the spirit, but the person himself hasn't had a conversion on the soul. I hope you can understand that. That would explain why in many of the charismatic churches and Pentecostal churches, we see gifted people doing things that we recognize that's God, and yet they themselves are living a life that you know is not, not Christ-like at all. And, but that's why, because there are false Christ, false anointed ones, genuine anointing, genuine Holy Ghost. Now, to understand what's happening here, we are, catch the picture now, we are a three-part being. And if you were to draw three circles, we could go from the outside would be the flesh man, the next ring in would be the spirit man, and down inside of that is the soul. It's the soul that God is working on. When a person is born again, their body, their flesh is not born again. It's the same old unregenerate flesh with its same old desires, but the nature on the inside changes with the new birth. Now, under the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if it strikes the soul, that's birth in that it brings forth from the seed of predestination that's in the soul. But that same Holy Ghost baptism can rest on a person's spirit and they're unconverted in their soul and yet can, can yield themselves to the uh, presence of the Holy Ghost in their life, manifest gifts, and all these other things that are Holy Ghost and still be absolutely wrong. And so the scripture points out this, this concept in that it takes us back to, to the time of Moses. And in 2 Timothy 3.8, it says, Now as Janus and Dabris withstood Moses, so will these of reprobate mind also concerning corrupt people concerning the faith. So consequently, now we go back to Janus and Jambres. That was the two court magicians that when Moses came before the presence of Pharaoh and threw down his stick and it became a serpent and then Pharaoh in effect says, hey, my boys can do that and he calls in Janus and Jambres and they throw down a stick, it becomes a serpent. And so 
they were duplicating the real. What was the purpose of the duplication? To try and confuse the issue of what God was saying because Moses had a message from God. Janus and Jambres were there to perform the supernatural to confuse the issue, but they had no message from God. And so we said, show that God won out in that the stick that turned to a serpent for Moses ate up the other two, which shows which will prevail. But Janus and Jambres and Moses went parallel, parallel for several of the supernatural manifestations. Janus and Jambres could do the very same thing. We find they could bring a plague, but they couldn't take it away. But Moses could both, under the power of God, could both bring it and take it away. So there's, so there's the two spirits working hand in hand. And the purpose, as the scripture says, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so will these of reprobate mind concerning the truth. What is the truth? The word of God. So the fact that a man is anointed, fellow believers, don't let that confuse you. If he tries to take you away from the pure word of God, he preaches false doctrine. Don't let the anointing deceive you. It's the word of God we must stay with. Adam and Eve fell from the word. God is bringing a people back to the word. So miracle workers, but with no message. <clears throat> so Janice and Jambres duplicated much of what Moses did, but only to confuse the message of God. The same thing today. So God wants to know, do you love the word or do you just love the supernatural and are deceived by that? Both the true and false vine are anointed with the same Holy Ghost. One stays with the word. And so the scripture says, straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Few there be that find it. And so we find that that, that broad way, you almost hate to say it uh, like this, but if most of the church is going that way, it's probably the wrong way because broad is the way that leads to destruction, the scripture says. But there is a narrow way that's Christ's narrow way. And it starts out with the statement, straight is the gate, S-T-R-A-I-T. That's a narrow body of water not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, like a straight line, but rather straights like the Straits of Magellan, narrow body of water, an isthmus. And so therefore there is a narrow way. And of course, you know from what you've heard in our broadcast before, that there are very few that practice scriptural baptism as done all through scripture, and that's in the name of Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's not one single baptism in all of scripture done in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. There's a meaning behind that, and we've talked about it before. If you've got a question, write to us. We'll send you a brochure on that matter. So because of this deception that God said would come at the end time, Janus and Jambres, that's why God spoke through Malachi, if I don't send Elijah, I'll have to smite the earth with a curse. So there had to come a true voice so that those, those who were not to be deceived, because it said the elect would not be deceived, that the elect has to have a choice between the true and the false. And so consequently, God had to have a true voice on the earth in the midst of the confusion that's promised in this last Laodicean age. And saints, that's part, one of the primary reasons why we speak to you each week as we do is we're trying to reach those of you who want to stay with the truth, want to find the truth, want to find the narrow way, want to know what the Bible really teaches 
in contrast to where their church may be off or their preacher may be off or something may be off. And uh, remember, like I said, in the framework of the church are two vines and the elect must attach themselves to the truth. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus said to that, to that true church. So to him that overcometh, in Revelations 2.6, it says, But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. We went into that in our last service. How that the Nicolaitans, two-part word, Nicolaitans, Nikau and Laos, to conquer the laity. There was a movement in the early church to divide the equal brotherhood of, brotherhood of one body of Christ into a clergy and a laity, or a priesthood and a laity, trying to make the ministry something special, something higher, to exalt some man. And, then, and so that was that in the very first church age, it says they, that God hated it, but the deeds were there. They were trying to accomplish something. And then that's in verse 6 in Revelations 2.6. Now in verse 7, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. So now the true Spirit of God is speaking in the church. I hate that thing. So there was a group of people withstanding what the Nicolaitans were trying to do. And then the next words are, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So the overcomer then, so what was he to overcome? The false doctrine within the framework of the church. It wasn't that he was to overcome his immoral life. If he comes to the Lord, God will take care of the immorality, not only cleansing by the blood, but changing the whole life nature that's, that's in the person himself. Jesus said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When Christ is speaking to our soul, his spirit comes with it to bring a transforming power in our life. Now, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life. We're nearing, nearing the end of the broadcast, friends, but let me just remind you, what is the tree of life? We'll, come, we'll pick up on that in our next session. There was two trees in Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. They were both there and Adam and Eve were to make their choice. Those same two trees, friends, are standing before you today. What are you going to eat of? The tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? The result will be exactly was as it was in Eden. If you eat of the wrong tree in that day, you shall surely die. So God is, has a spiritual death that we'll find out is called the second death to those who feed off the wrong tree. God bless you, saints. There's an elect group out there that is going to hear the truth. They will live it and they will believe it. And we're trying our best to get it to you. God bless you. We'll see you next time. For a DVD of today's program entitled The Overcomers, write to Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio, zip code 45801 here in the USA. Or visit our website at globalanswers.us. May our Lord Jesus Christ richly